Okay, good morning, Dunbar Heights family. Welcome to week one of our being scattered together. And uh, here we are, whether in your living room or, or dorm room, sitting outside on the back porch, whatever it is. Welcome, good morning. Um, my wife was saying to me when she found out we were going to be doing this, she's like, oh, does that mean you're going to preach in your pajamas? <laughs> I was like, no, uh, probably not. Uh, I'd like to try to keep some semblance of, of normalcy. I think with so many things changing, just want to keep some sense of familiarity, I think. But who knows? Who knows what we'll uh, end up doing as we uh, go ahead here. But uh, for now, I think we'll just keep it here and, and go that way as well. Um, I know some people have kind of suggested to put the idea out there, hey, is this how we should be doing church? Is this how we should be doing this from now on? You know, just we can sit in the comfort of our own home. We can, uh, you know, get another coffee whenever we feel like it. You know, we're still being in God's Word. Isn't this, you know, good enough? And the answer is, no, I don't think so. I think that the gathered church together is, is what is God's ideal. It's what He sets up in His Word of how we are to be together. And yet, in this time, like I think for the same reason that you don't stop eating when you go on vacation because eating out every night isn't ideal, you still continue to eat, understanding this is a temporary season so that you can come back to normal healthy rhythms of cooking a meal in the kitchen and eating. That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to supplement as best we can the gathering, as doing this idea of being scattered together in all the places that God has you this morning. But uh, at the moment that we are able to, but I think it's essential that we absolutely be back here gathered together. There's something very special, I think, as well as just God designed about us gathering together. So that is what we'll be doing as soon as we are able. This is the time, again, where we're going to just have a, a message from God's Word that I want to bring to you as a way of encouragement, as a way of just continuing to, to feed our souls. So if you have a Bible there, if you would turn with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46, whatever Bible you're using there, I don't know what page it'll be on, but Psalms right in the middle of the Bible, find Psalm 46, and I'm going to read this morning from the English Standard Version, whatever version you're using, that's fine, they'll, they'll be relatively the same, but I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, Psalm 46, let's read this together, Psalmist says this, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved." God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's word. 
Let me pray for us quickly, and then we'll dive right into this. Spirit of God, we ask now that as we look to your word, would you please inspire and, and, and illumine these words so that we might see and understand what it is you want to communicate to us today, exactly where we are, wherever we're sitting right now, wherever we are, that these, these powerful message of encouragement and comfort would, would be true to us, we would receive it, it would break past any barriers that may be in our minds. You tell us, God, when you send out your word, it does accomplish the purpose for which you send it. Oh, God, accomplish that in each and every one of us today. As I always ask now, eternal God, would you move and govern my tongue to speak your truth? Amen. Well, all of us, I think, are, are likely familiar with that classic children's story, The Three Little Pigs. Do you know this story? Um, most of us would have read this growing up. If you've got kids, you've surely read it to them as well. This story of these three young brothers sent out by their mom to go and live their lives, seek their fame and fortune. And we smile at the foolishness of the first two pigs uh, who, who build their homes, one we're told out of straw, the other out of sticks, understanding that the wisdom of the story that's intended to be communicated uh, of building with solid, lasting things like, like bricks, which can withstand the winds of danger. But what happens when those things that we've always looked to as solid and sure foundations become shaken themselves? Structures of, of brick are, are blown down as easily as if they were made out of straw. What, what can we do? Where, where can we look to in times like that? Well, as you look around our world today, or even if you just look into the eyes of the people that you see in the grocery store right now, I think we'd all agree we're living in just such a time as that world. So many solid foundations that many of us had built on, many had, had put their faith and trust in, have absolutely been, been shaken, been, been blown down and thrown into chaos, revealing really on a global scale just how exposed and, and vulnerable we truly are. And so in light of that present reality, I thought it was important to just kind of step out of our teaching series through the book of Ephesians this morning for this week anyways, and remind us all of what God's Word says about where, and more importantly, to whom we can look in times such as these. Because according to our passage here in Psalm 46, there is only one place we can look to truly find refuge and strength. Only one steady light for when all other lights go out, and that is the Lord of hosts, the God of Jacob. For when everything else is shaken and falling, he alone is the unmovable God who remains steadfast and who quiets the threatening winds with peace. Be still, and they obey him. And so with the hope that we might all be reminded of that unchanging reality and cling all the more tightly to the solid rock on whom our faith is founded, I want to look at this beautiful psalm together with you just for a few minutes in just two ways. The, the psalmist actually divides what he says here into two kind of verses, two stanzas or parts with the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress that you see there in verse 7 and 11. So that's actually how I'm going to divide up 
how we look at this psalm today as well. And what I want to show you this morning from those two parts is this, the perspective of faith and then the proof of faith, just those two things, the perspective and the proof of faith. So if you have a Bible with you there, again, open it up, keep it in front of you, follow along with me as we see and look at what God's Word has to say about the one foundation in life that can truly never be shaken. Okay, so let's look first of all at the perspective of faith. The perspective of faith. Look with me first of all at what the psalmist writes in verses 1 through 3 here. He writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at his swelling. Now, this is so, so important because what the psalmist is doing here, and actually what he does throughout this entire first section, is working to intentionally change his perspective by contrasting what he knows to be true about his trouble with what he knows to be true about God. He's, he's choosing intentionally to take a different perspective. And if you think about it, uh, looking at things from a different perspective, there's all kinds of places in life where that can be incredibly helpful and where you can end up seeing things you hadn't noticed that were always right in front of you. And, and really, you can gain a lot greater understanding by doing something like that. So for instance, if you've ever traveled to a country where you don't speak the language, and you're fumbling through your, your language book, how do I say, or you're doing this sign language, I'll take two, two of those, like trying so hard to communicate. If you've had that experience, that, that, having that perspective hopefully gives you much greater patience and understanding when someone who's come as a visitor to our country is struggling to communicate with you. All of a sudden you're like, hey, I know, I know how hard that is. I know what a struggle that, that can be to try to communicate with people. Now, the point, though, in this situation here is that you have to intentionally choose to remember that perspective, right? Just having it isn't enough. If you're feeling impatient, if you're rushing through, if you're flustered that day and someone's trying to communicate and they can't do it, even though you have that perspective, you could just be like, oh, forget it. You need to intentionally choose to take that perspective and remember, no, this is hard. Okay, yeah, I can be more patient with you now. And so here in our passage, rather than continuing to look at the troubling circumstances all around that are causing him to fear from the perspective of what he can do about it, the psalmist chooses instead to look at these fearful circumstances from the perspective of what he knows about God and what he can do about it. And, and, and they truly are fearful circumstances that he's experiencing. When you look at what he describes there in verses 2 and 3, look, look there with me, the, the, the earth giving way, entire mountains being sliding into the sea. Uh, I, I mean, these, these are fearful things. It's actually it's important to know that in this culture and, and cultural period in history, in time, the sea was often seen as a symbol of chaos and uncertainty, which means whether the psalmist is describing literal circumstances right now, like an earthquake or something like that, or just speaking metaphorically, the point is that these things that he formerly saw as, as solid and unmovable were, were being powerfully shaken and thrown into uncertainty. It feels like the whole world's been turned upside down. And I wonder if to one degree or another, we, we, we wouldn't say that that's how all of us are, are feeling right now. 
In a time in our, it's really an unprecedented time in our world where, where we have seen so many solid foundations that we formerly thought as unmovable. Employment, education, just going to school, uh, our economy, uh, relationships, relational closeness, all those things that we would have said just weeks and months ago. Yeah, of course those things we can rely on. Of course those things are always going to be there and now have all been powerfully shaken, revealing just how vulnerable and unstable those foundations are. We thought they were so solid, but we could see they can just be gone in a moment. They can be taken in a moment. And yet rather than trying to just continue to, to cling to those places that he saw as stable as they sink into the water, the psalmist evaluates his circumstances instead from the perspective of what he knows about God. Look again at verse 1 here. See, he doesn't say, no, no, my wealth is my, is my refuge in these fearful, uh, uncertain times. He doesn't say, my, my, my good health, that's the thing that's going to enable me and give me strength to, to carry through, carry me through these times. No, he says, God is our refuge. God is our strength, a very present help in trouble. He says, that is, he is my place of shelter and protection which, in which I can hide. He is the one I can look to to find strength to be able to stand, to be able to continue to press forward, even though these, everything feels so uncertain. And look, not only is he a place where we're able to find that shelter, we're able to find that source of power by which we can stand, he says also, he's very present. He's the God who is ever available to all who will look to him for help. How many of you have ever looked to a relationship or a friendship for, for your place of stability? You say things like, man, that guy is my rock. That, that relationship, this person is my rock. Only to find in that time of your most desperate need that they would not or a lot of times just simply could not be there for you when you needed them. The promise of this psalm is that the refuge and strength of God are both unshakable and also always available to us. They're unshakable and always available. The, the, the shelves are never empty when it comes to God's availability to us. He's always there, always very present. We know that they're unshakable because after describing all these solid, unmovable things like the earth and mountains being shaken and thrown into chaos, look what the psalmist says in verse 5. About, he says that all who, who look to God for their refuge and strength will never be moved. All those things that we saw as solid, unmovable foundations before, they, they have been moved, but all who look to God, he says, will never be moved. Note, not that we'll never experience trouble or fearful circumstances, no, but he says that with God, trouble and fearful circumstances can no longer move us. That's the point that he's making. We will no longer be moved by those things. Secondly, we, we, we know that the refuge and strength of God are always available because rather than just seeing God as this far-off, distant deity who must be appeased in order to act favorably towards us, like so many of the gods of that day, as well as, come on, the gods of our day as well, the psalmist says we can count on God in every circumstance and every season to be available and there with us. Why? Because he dwells in our midst. 
He dwells in our midst. A truth that would have been understood there in, in verses 4 and 5. Uh, at the, in that day and age, they would have understood that as God's presence in the temple there in Jerusalem. That would have been the city of God where God dwells. And they would have said, yeah, we, we can trust that he's with us because his presence we know dwells there. But now... For us living in this day and age, we now understand that as the very presence of God dwelling within us by His Spirit, dwelling in our, in our very hearts and lives. How, how interesting is it that to see that the protecting, life-giving presence of God contrasted with the roaring chaos of the ocean there in verse 4 is a river. Because not only does that imagery of a river itself, it implies yeah, peace and, and calm and, and, and sure boundaries, but a life-giving river within us is the very image that Jesus uses multiple times in the New Testament to describe the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. As a river, a life-giving river. River And clearly, looking at these fearful circumstances for the psalmist, from the perspective of what he knows about God, had a transforming effect on him. Because if you see what he says there, first of all, in verse 2, he says, Therefore, we will not fear. He's looking at this from a new perspective now. He says, okay, so therefore now I'm not going to fear as well as he closes out this first section of verses with a confidently, that this, this confidently stated hope. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And what, a, what an important, absolutely essential reminder for each and every one of us today. Living in such chaotic, uncertain times as these where so many solid foundations have been shaken what a profoundly transforming hope it is to be reminded of a God who remains unmovable who remains unshakable and who is very present with us in this trouble but this is absolutely the transforming power of intentionally seeking to look at life and look at our troubles from the perspective of faith a perspective of faith that, that yeah many outside the church would look at and scoff at and be like, faith in God, but I trust in what I could see. You know, how many times have you heard people say something like that? But it's also a perspective, come on, even within the church, even though we have that perspective available to us, is still so often left unused. It's the same as we can forget to remember what it's like to be in a place where we don't speak the language. We can forget to look at life and look at our troubling circumstances from this perspective, which we always have available to us, looking at it from the perspective of God and what he can do about it. Because the temptation for all of us, even if you say you would have a faith in God this morning, is still so often to look at our present trials and circumstances and then evaluate the, the power, the goodness, and the love of God from the perspective of our fear and our pain instead of reminding our hearts of what we know to be true about God from His Word and then evaluating our trials and circumstances from the perspective of faith. First perspective Looking at it from our fear and our pain will keep you fearful, will keep you clinging to sinking foundations and really doubting the goodness of God. But the perspective of faith, while not delivering us out of every trouble, remember he says he is our very present help in trouble, doesn't deliver us out of ever having troubles, but the perspective of faith will absolutely gain us access to the very present refuge and strength of our unshakable God. 
Here's what I want you to do wherever you're watching this right now. I want you to actually just pause the message for a moment. Pause the message and just take some time for a moment to reflect on who God has revealed himself to be in his word. His power, his strength, his omnipotence, his, his might, his wisdom. Pause for a moment just to reflect on who you know God to be from his word and just speak out a couple sentence prayers to him, just thanking him. Thanking him for the solid foundation that he is in the midst of all that's been shaken in our world right now. Pause the message. Do that for a moment. Worship that way and then come back and we'll dig into the second part here. Okay, did you do it? (laughs) Good. Okay, that's the perspective of faith. The last thing I want to look at together with you from our passage is the proof of faith. The proof of faith. And this is important for us to look at because if you're at all like me, hearing somebody say, oh, you know, just try to look at it from a different perspective. Uh, sometimes you can hear that suspiciously, just like someone's trying to trick you. Or you can just sound like wishful thinking, like just look for the silver lining. And it just feels like, nah. So, so what the psalmist offers us now in this next section of verses is not only a perspective change, but also proof that God really is the refuge and strength that he's saying he is. You see that right at the beginning of this next section in verse 8, the psalmist begins by saying, Come, behold the works of the Lord. So it's almost as if he's saying, Hey, don't take my word for it. Come and check it out for yourself. Look, just look. Come and see for yourself. And then he goes on to list all these demonstrations of God's power and his protection over and over in all these different ways. Now, given what he says back in verse 6, Look up there about the nations raging, kingdoms tottering, as well as what he says about wars and weapons there down in verse 9. It's pretty clear that these examples of of God's power and and presence that he's referring to in these examples that he lists in verse 8 and 9 is God's superior power and authority over military might, uh, attacking nations coming against them, which has led some to believe that the troubled foundation-shaking times, the psalmist was writing this psalm in in particular, were either uh, of a nation or, or multiple nations coming against his people presently, or shortly after God had just delivered them from such fearful circumstances. And, and the point of his examples is to demonstrate, to, to remind his readers of God's ability to protect, to, to empower his people against any enemy that might come against them, bringing, you see, bringing the strength of all their weaponry to nothing. Which is an incredibly hopeful thing for each of us to remind ourselves of right now, isn't it? As we face an, an invisible enemy that's just sweeping across our entire globe, which is too, too great for us to face on our own, but really, maybe not even looking at that in itself, but thinking of, of any any enemy that, that comes against us, how hopeful is it to look at this perspective and be reminded of this, that, that to know that the God we're coming for refuge and strength has, has limitless power to decimate any enemy that might come against us. But I don't know, when, when, when I look at this, what makes this power most impressive and most uh, hopeful and, and life-giving to me as I read it is when you, see that, when you see the way God overcomes these enemies that are coming against them. The way he overcomes them, we see here, is just by speaking. It's not like sending thousands of angels or fire from heaven. He, he decimates these enemies coming against them just by talking. 
meaning that the, the very words of God that spoke creation into existence, he's saying, also have the power to bring desolation on any attacking force or any fearful circumstances. I saw this, first of all, back in second half of verse 6. Look there, in response to these raging nations and tottering kingdoms, we read, uh, he utters his voice, the earth melts. All this attack and, and rage, he utters his voice and it just melts away. But then look what this looks like in verse 10 here. Look there with me. Uh, speaking through the psalmist here now, God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, the first part of that verse in particular, we often think of as like a, a, in terms of offering comfort to those who are weary and distressed. And it absolutely is that. But given the immediate context in which this is spoken, as well as when you come to understand that in the Hebrew, be still, literally translated, actually is a command, meaning let go, Re release your, your grip. What you begin to see is that be still and know that I am God is both an invitation to the one who is weary from worry and struggle to find rest and comfort and protection in God. But listen, it's also a divine command to the forces coming against us to let us go, to, to release their grip and stop their pursuits. It's like your dad calling out from the TV room when you were messing around as kids. This is God's voice saying to the things coming against us, knock it off! Now! That, that, that's, that's the sense of what's God saying. Be still and know that I am God. As Derek Kidner notes in his commentary, so too the injunction, be still, is not, the first is not in the first a place of comfort for the harassed, but a rebuke to a restless and turbulent world which resembles the command to another raging sea. Peace, be still. In the same way that Jesus spoke but a word to the raging wind and waves from that boat in Mark 4, and the waters and the wind died down and became like glass, so the proof of God's unshakable protection and power, along with the true hope available to us through faith in him seen here, is, is in his demonstrated desolation of these past fearful enemies that had come against them by nothing more than a word and a command from his mouth. And the call for each and every one of us here on the basis of these proofs that the psalmist was laying out for his readers then, is to cease our fear, to cease our, our, our panic and, and worry and anxiety in the face of whatever's coming against us today. How? By, by recalling God's demonstrated ability to protect and enable us to stand, to, to keep pressing forward in our own lives. So not only drawing from the numerous examples of God's ability to do that in the past in his word, those are all great, but also in, in our own personal histories in particular. Why? Well, because the proof of God's ability to deliver us demonstrated in the past has tremendous power to enable faith in whatever present circumstances we might face, be facing now today that he can and he will protect and empower us once again. As we remember those stories in our own lives, when I, I thought he couldn't do it, 
I thought it was impossible, and he came through. That is tremendous power. As I think of that in the face of whatever I'm facing now, to remember, if you could do that then, surely you can do it now. Just as we, uh, the, the words of that song that were included in our singing time this morning, do it again, state so beautifully as we were singing, I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. What demonstrations of God's power and protection do you have from your own life that have proven his faithfulness to you that you could draw from right now in the midst of the fearful circumstances we're living in presently? How, how has God proven himself to you in the past to be a safe refuge, a sure provider of all the strength that you needed for whatever trial you were facing? Maybe it wasn't all the strength you wanted, but what examples do you have in your own past and life of, of God's faithfulness to give you all the strength you needed to make it through, and that's the reason you're standing here today. I want you to do the same thing that we just did a moment ago. I want you to pause the message here once again. Take a few minutes to either share one of those proofs of God's faithfulness with you, with the people that you're gathered with right now, or if you're on your own, you're watching this on your own, take some time to write it out in your journal, reminding yourself of, of God's faithfulness to you in the past in order to inspire our faith right now as well as the faith of others as we look at these proofs of God's ability, faithfulness to deliver us in the past in order to inspire and grow our faith in the present. Take some time and do that pause and then come back in a moment and we'll finish up this message. We began this morning talking about building materials building materials, and, and what it is we place our faith and trust in to protect us from the stormy winds of life. And what we saw was that in the end, uh, and what we're seeing really everywhere in our world right now, is that those building materials that we believe, they, they, they are solid. They are unmovable. They can still be shaken and still slip into the ocean of uncertainty, which makes me wonder if the point in the end is not even ultimately, or at least primarily, what we build with at all, but more on what foundation it is we've chosen to build. If you're somewhat familiar with the Bible, that might stir in your own mind a memory of Jesus' parable at the end of his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 about wise and foolish builders. And that story, what the builders choose to build with, at least in that story, has nothing to do with whether the house stands or falls, but only where they've chosen to build. For as the, the, the wind and, and, and rain and waves pound against both houses, the house built on the rock as well as the house built on stand, what those wind and waves reveal in the end is not what building materials they used to build the house, but where it was that they built the house, what they built it on. The foundation that they built on, that's what made the difference between being safely enduring this storm or being flattened by it. And I think it's easy to pick on the low-hanging fruit as we look around our world today and, and, and see millions of people scrambling as, as what they were looking to as solid foundations, have, as, as unmovable foundations have been shaken and, and crumbled down to sand. But I think this present storm called novel coronavirus has that it's just currently sweeping across our world, I think it's also 
revealed some sandy foundations that maybe we as God's people have built on as well. For instance, we might say we've built on the solid foundation that the church is, is, is not a building, it's a people, right? So, so this, although we're scattered right now, that doesn't matter. Uh, the church is a people, it's not a building. We might say we've built on that foundation, and yet, if we, by, by, by suspending gathering together for a season, if that also means that we suspend our connection with one another, we suspend our time in God's word and prayer, we suspend our faithfulness in giving and serving one another, if that also gets suspended, because we're not gathered here, what that reveals is what we've actually truly built on is the sandy foundation of pattern. That's just what I'm used to, and so that's really what we believe the church is. It's gathering here in this building. Or maybe other, you might, someone else, they might say, no, God is my refuge. God is my strength. He's the one thing that I know I can look to and I built my life on and yet just continue right on in fear and panic with the rest of the world right now, hoarding every bit of resources we can find, uh, seeking to, choosing to serve self rather than others, revealing what we've truly built on there is the sandy foundation of comfort. It's got to be something I'm used to and familiar that's really the foundation we built on. But the true hope this psalm, of this psalm is that the one foundation upon which we can build and that can withstand any of the storms of life is God alone. That is the one foundation alone that we can build on. He alone is our refuge in which we can surely and to truly hide. He alone is our strength by which we can stand. He alone is our very present help in trouble, not so that we never feel afraid, the psalmist says, but so that we might not live in fear. And most incredibly of all, he is with us. He is with us. This God who is our refuge and strength and help and sure foundation is in the midst of us like a stream of living water giving gladness in the place of fear. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's how the psalmist ends with this repeated confession of faith and trust in the God he'd come to see as his refuge and strength along with his very present help and trouble. And that's how, that's how we're going to close now this morning. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I, I pray that that confession is also a confession that you can make from the heart today as well as one that you'll continue to build on in the days to come. I pray it's also a, 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 an intentional, proven perspective that you intentionally choose as we face this current storm facing our world right now, as well as every other storm that we're going to face after this. That This is an intentional perspective that you choose, a proven perspective, that you choose to look at whatever storm we're facing He is our one hope by which we can safely and securely stand. And he is the one thing upon which we can place our faith and build on that is truly unshakable. Do you know that today? As great reformer Martin Luther once wrote in his well-known hymn based directly out of Psalm 46. I'm going to close with this. 
as he said so well, did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus. It is he, Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them, abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let good good and kindred go this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. We've included one last song for you to sing through now uh, at the end of this message. I want you to go now and sing those words that we were just talking about from Martin Luther to remind yourself of the mighty fortress, the God who is with us, our refuge and strength that we can hide in. Sing that from your heart and and inspire your own faith, I pray, as you sing it. Uh, Once again, uh, I'm going to give us our closing benediction, but remind you, we've got those resources available to you in this email we've sent out of both our prayer chain. If there's ways we can be praying for you right now, please fill out that form or send off your request to prayer at dhbc.ca. We'd love to pray for you. We've also made uh, available, again, opportunities for you to remain faithful in your giving. Um, right on our website there, there's an opportunity to give online. That's going to enable us both not to just continue to sustain our ministry going ahead, because we are coming, this will end one day, and we want to have a place to return to, but also just to continue in your own faithfulness and worship. This is a part of our worship, to, to give of our finances, to remind ourselves of where our hope is truly found. So make use of those things. Let me give us our closing benediction, and then please go and sing that last song together. As Paul reminds us, I remind you now, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Be communicating and catching up with you again soon.